Today, we finish up our sermon series, Best Sermon Ever. We will be in the book of Matthew, Matthew uh, chapter 7, 13 through 27. Matthew 7, 13 through 27. Before we get into that, uh, I just do want to say thank you to everyone. Um, We had a pile of cards and um, just kind words. We, after last week's celebration, we went home and Lori and I sat on the back porch and we laughed and we cried and we sipped on some wine and we just enjoyed um, feeling really loved by you all. Um, But some were more special than others. Can I just say, is that okay to say? Okay. Um, And I just want to share them with you. I did not get permission to share either of these with you. And that's okay. Um, So I want to share this one with you. Because I had a ton of really great kids cards. Um, These just really great kids cards. And so I was having so much fun with some of them. Just opening them and seeing what words were in it. And somebody spent a lot of time on this one. And so I thought, man, I'm going to, I wonder who did this one. And I opened it up and it says, Ben Epps, you bedazzle me with your service to Big Sky Christian Fellowship. From Dr. Jeremy Mitchell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the other one is, is, I think it's a kid's card. A lot of stickers on it. It says, I will miss you. From Darth Vader. So... I didn't know Darth Vader was with us. I didn't even hear him breathing. Okay. (laughs) Thank you for loving us so well. Thank you for uh, celebrating all God's faithfulness last week. Um, And I want to work one last time really hard for you as we unpack this series and finish it up together. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. 13. Through 27. Jesus says this Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the wind blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as one of the teachers of the law. The big idea for the best sermon ever has been simple. It's been the big idea from the very get-go. It's the big idea in the middle of this sermon series. It's the big idea for the entire Bible. It's the big idea for your life. It's the one thing that matters. And the one thing that matters is do you or don't you passionately follow Jesus. Our big idea in this series has been to passionately follow Jesus together. To passionately follow Jesus together. We've never made it complicated. We've always made it simple. Part of what the church consultant noticed last week when he was here and he was going through all the surveys is is that we leave open-handed things open. Essentially, there's a bunch of things, a bunch of different um, theologies and a bunch of different arguments and politics and a bunch of different stances that we come to church with every week. But we as a church have figured out how to navigate all of those differences because we leave the open-handed things open and we leave the closed-handed things closed. And one of the closed-handed things, if not the only closed-handed thing that really, really matters is who are you following? Are you following a trend? Are you following uh, the way that culture wants to go? Or are you following Jesus? And what we've taken a firm stand on at this church is that we passionately follow after Jesus. Sometimes we sing hymns. Sometimes we sing praise and worship songs. We're not going to fight about that, right? Uh, Some of us are conservative. Some of us are more liberal in our politics. Right? We're not going to fight about that. We, we love each other while we passionately follow Jesus together in the midst of all of our differences. And, and I think that that is uh, central to why we're such a, a healthy church and we're positioned really, really well for, for your next great pastor. Amen. And you've got a decision to make, though. Okay? Got decisions to make. The search committee's gonna make some decisions. What we were told last week is that there's gonna be a pool of between three and five hundred candidates that they're gonna narrow down to about three to five really, really great ones. And at some point, they're gonna have to make a decision on this. And I got a question for you this morning. When was your last great decision? When was the moment that you had to last make a great decision? Not, not just a small decision, but a great decision. In my time here, many of you had made the decision to move to Big Sky, to spend more time in Big Sky. Some have decided um, it's time for them to leave Big Sky. That's what we have recently as a family decided, right? And I want to give you a little insight to that decision because I, I didn't come to it lightly. Beginning of uh, this year, 
I began to have a conversation with Bob Schwan at Journey Church, and they had a teaching pastor who was transitioning out, and Bob and I have become great friends, and he said, Brian, there's a lot of work to be done in the valley, um, and, and, and I just feel like we've got a really great opportunity, and I'd like to explore that with you and see, um, see what could happen. And I didn't take that lightly, and, and I entered into this season of, of saying, man, I need to make a big decision. And can I be honest with you? I didn't really want to make one. <laughs> I didn't. Um, I remember talking through it with some wise counsel. Uh, I remember talking with it with Taylor and, and this opportunity and, and some uh, of, of our thoughts around that. And I came to a point... Uh, right before Ash Wednesday of this year, where I thought, i gotta, I got to make a decision. I can't keep asking everybody's opinion and just trying to get feedback, and I can't just keep like dragging this out. I need to make some sort of decision. And so I went on what I um, like to call walkabout, a walkabout. I know that that's an Australian thing, but like I do it too. So, um, so what I usually do with a walkabout is uh, I'll just go um, and kind of commit a certain amount of time to the Lord. Sometimes I'll fast. I'll take a couple specific books with me, my journals, my Bible. Um, and I'll just essentially say, God, whatever you have for this amount of time, I'm just going to listen for your voice, and I'm going to lean into you in this one specific area. And the specific area I was leaning into was, God, do you want me to... To decide to head down to down from Big Sky to Bozeman and to be the teaching pastor at Journey Church. So I got in my truck and I loaded it up with some guns and some bow, a bow and arrow, some fly rods, all my my books and all that kind of stuff. And I said, "Whatever you want, God, for the next seventy two hours. Um, if you say nothing, I'm probably going to fish a lot." So um, I didn't fish. Uh, I, I didn't shoot a gun or a bow and arrow. Um, I did spend a lot of time in prayer. Uh, I spent one afternoon, evening, uh, driving out into Spring Hill, just north of the valley. I ended up on this beautiful overlook of the valley and of the Spanish Peaks. And you know, I felt like I could see from there to, all the way to Big Sky. And, and I spent time asking God, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And I came home sort of with trembling um, and concern. And I'm sure Lori was concerned because whenever I go on walkabout, it's like either a really good thing or like it's something's coming. Um, and I got back from walkabout and I said, Lori, I think I, think I need to make a decision here. And I think, I think um, God is calling us to be the next teaching pastor at Journey Church. And, um, and we need to make that decision. And that decision has been hard. Uh, that decision has been difficult. I'm going to be honest with you. There are days where I'm still like, what am I doing? Like when I rolled into town today and I looked up at the mountain and I'm like, look at this place. Like what am I doing, right? When was your last big Decision. Our life is filled with decisions both large and small. And Jesus finishes his sermon asking for a definitive 
response. He finishes his sermon saying, I need you to make a decision. I need you to make a choice. I need you to respond to what I have taught you. I need you to respond to what I have shown you. Robert Frost wrote this poem. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry, I could not travel both. And be one traveler long I stood, and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay, in leaves not stepped had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way should lead unto way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I... I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. Jesus stands before the crowd as he stands in your life, and he asks, Which road will you take? Today with our time together, I want to lean into three responses to Jesus. And today, I just want you to think about yourself. I don't want you to think about that other guy that needs to be here. I don't want you to think about the person next to you. No nudging in this sermon, okay? I want you to think about what is my response to Jesus? What is my response today? What will my response be tomorrow with the good news that he has put before me, with the life he lived, with with his life that he gave upon the cross, the death he died, and the resurrection to new life? What is my response to this good news? And Jesus, he paints three different pictures for us of responses to him. Number one, The first response to Jesus is the non-follower. The non-follower. This is a legitimate response. You can hear about Jesus. You can can learn about Jesus. You can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Learn all about Jesus. And you can decide, I will not follow him. And Jesus says this, Small is the gate, narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Why? Because there's another road, and that road is wide. That road is wide. And because this road is narrow and small, and only a few find it, it means there's another road that is wide, and guess what? There's not few people on that. There's many people on it. There are many people that have given the good news of Jesus and would say, I don't need him. I don't need him. 
I don't want him. Be quiet with your Jesus stuff. You just keep that to yourself. Just read a report on millennials. Oh, and uh, listen, listen, millennials are awesome. They were supposed to ruin the wor- world, and they haven't yet. So, you know, um, good on them, right? I'm, good on me. Uh, so that's, uh, so I'm part of that crew, right? So um, <laughs> we got jobs and kids and everything and houses. Who knew? Okay. Um, the report said this. Millennials... Um, those who believe in Christ would say it's the most important thing that's ever happened in their life. Which is, like, that, that's pretty common, I think, for real, true Christians. Like, Jesus is the most important thing that's ever happened in my life. But millennials are very, very afraid to share their faith. They, in fact, they, most millennials, according to this report, find it offensive to share their own faith. They don't want to offend someone. They don't want to get in somebody else's face because they know that the, wa- the wide road is sometimes harsh. And that if I can live in my narrow little road and not really be too involved with the wide road, I better be careful because that wide road, there's a lot of people on it and they might trample me if I get too far into their lane. If I talk about the narrow road, if I seem like, hey, this is, there's a narrow road, it might seem judgmental. But Jesus says, no, 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 there are those who simply don't follow after Jesus. There are those who choose sin over Jesus. There are those who choose other things rather than Jesus. And Jesus would simply say, those are the, those are the people that are following the wide road. Those are non-followers. Second, he paints two pictures, two pictures of what I'm going to call false followers, false followers. I think this is a really much more difficult one for us. Non-followers probably aren't here this morning. So um, they, they might be, you might be a couple non-followers here just kicking around Jesus. Awesome. We're so glad you're here. But this one I think actually speaks to us. False followers. Jesus says, look out for false prophets. They come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. And by your fruit, you will recognize them. What he's saying is there are people that say they love Jesus, but when you follow their life, when you see what their life is all about, you go, I don't think they know Jesus. I don't think they've actually ever met Jesus or encountered Jesus because they don't smell like Jesus. And sheep, they, 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 always, like, they always smell like the shepherd. The shepherd and the sheep, they smell like each other, right? So if you're around, a, if you're a shepherd, you smell like your sheep. And your sheep, they know the smell of their shepherd. And when they look around, they go, man, that, I don't know. I don't know if that person looks like who they say they're following. They're false. False followers. He goes on further in one of the most daunting statements, I think, in this whole sermon to say, and then there's some other false followers who will say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all kinds of good Jesus stuff in your name? And he'll say to them, I didn't know you. I don't think there's a worse thing Jesus could say. Right? I mean, this should, this should be daunting. Todd and I were talking about this this week. This should be the most, one of the most daunting statements Jesus makes. 
Because essentially what he's saying is, you can say you love Jesus, you can check all the boxes, but you can actually not know Him, and He may not know you. I mean, oh, this, this should lean on us. Can I, can I go here? Sunday Christians. Like, if you're here to check a box this morning, don't come next week. Not because I'm not here. Just stop coming. Period. Like, stop playing. Jesus wants real followers. He'd be much more happy if you stopped coming to church and started following him Monday through Saturday. He'd be much more happy with that. He would want that out of your life. He wants... He wants not false followers. And I think this is so dangerous for American Christians. I think there are so many Christians who claim Jesus, but don't look anything like Him. So Jesus doesn't want non-followers. He doesn't want false followers. Here's what He wants. He wants true followers. He wants true followers. Jesus ends his sermon by telling a great story. That's, that's how you end a good sermon. That's actually how you start a good sermon, too. Um, he tells this great story of these two men who built identical houses. One of the commentaries I was reading said, there's nothing different about the houses. They look the same. They're probably designed the same. The guys are probably both proud of them the same, but they built them on very different foundations. One of them built their foundation upon the rock, and one of them built their foundation upon the sand. A couple weeks ago, it wasn't even a couple weeks ago, it was like a week and a half ago, we were at my mother-in-law and father-in-law's house. And I don't know, we had come back from camping, I think, or doing something. What were we doing? We were in Billings. No, no, we were, different story. Different story. Different story. Different story. You can tell me when. Okay. So, we were at my in-law's house at an undisclosed time previously. Um, <laughs> and we were standing there, and we were about to head home, and all of a sudden it got really loud, like there was a truck coming down the road. And it got louder and louder and louder, and the house suddenly began to shake. And it was an earthquake, a 4.0, 4.1 earthquake that started in Manhattan and shook all the way to Churchill. And the house started shaking. And, like, I'm just going to be honest with you. I ran for cover, did not grab women and children. Just was like, oh! gonna fall I didn't did not uh, no I, I thought about that afterwards like should have grabbed my kids anyway um, didn't and here's what I thought about I've been down in the basement of this house this farmhouse that's built in 1912 right and in the basement there are boards sitting on cinder blocks right that I've always thought don't look that stable and they're holding up this big house and I immediately thought I sure hope that that foundation is going to hold it was like one of the first things that went through my head is like if this is a big one I wonder if the foundation is going to hold. What is your foundation? 
What is your life built upon? That's what Jesus is asking. What is the one thing above all other things? What is your life built upon? Because the storms are coming. If you haven't, you've listened good. You've listened well in the past five years. You know this, right? I'm not one of those patty cake preachers, right? I don't, I don't say it happy all the time. Storms are coming. They're going to come in your life. They're going to come in the lives of your loved ones. They're, they're going to come all around you. Storms are going to come. And the question is, what are you built upon? Jesus is, is just asking do I have some true followers here? Essentially, he's, he's teaching us what he's always taught us. That he's the center. That he's the most important. That he is, we'll finish where we started, that he is the good shepherd. The good shepherd. Five years ago, I preached my first sermon here. Look at that guy. Um, same shoes, kind of, different color. Um, but uh, I was apparently trying to impress you because I was wearing a vest and dress slacks. <laughs> Some things have changed, huh? <laughs> um, that was in September five years ago. I came here and I preached out of John 10. John 10 where it says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. And I remember very clearly what my sermon was all about back then. My sermon was that if I was going to come be your pastor, I wasn't going to be the shepherd. I was just going to try to be the first follower. I was just going to try to be the one who was closest to the shepherd, listening for the shepherd's voice. Hundreds of times in the last couple of years, I've prayed, God, don't let us get too far in front of you. God, let us don't get too far behind you. Let us stay in step with you. And Jesus, he's still the shepherd. Amen. And we are just called to follow. We're not called to be false followers who put on a front for church on Sunday. We're not called to be non-followers, the ones who follow the wide road. We are called to be true followers who enter through the narrow gate. Jesus is and always will be our first shepherd because we exist to passionately follow him. Jesus, thank you for being our good shepherd. Thank you that you lead us beside still waters. Thank you that you lead us into green pastures, that you restore our soul. 
God, even in the darkest valley, we know that you are there. Even in front of our enemies, you prepare a table for us. You anoint our head with oil. Our cup overflows because you are our good shepherd. Jesus, thank you for shepherding us these past five years. Thanks that you're going to continue to shepherd this congregation. And and thank you, God, um, that we can lean into you as your sheep. And Jesus, now we thank you for this meal that you've given to us. That your body broken on the cross and your blood shed for our sins gives us new life in you and gives us opportunity to respond to this good news of new life in you. May we be true followers. In Jesus' name, amen.